Hey everyone, welcome back to Vampire Weekday. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host Kevin as we take on Jerusalem, New York, Berlin. The final track of a Vampire Weekend's 4th LP, Father of the Bride. This we we talk a lot on this pod about how the last song is kind of somber usually, right? Mm-hmm. And how the second to last one's the palate cleanser. Is that correct? Am I getting? Yeah, because it at least I, there's some variance to this. I, I never really know how to feel because um, that was not really the case with LPs one and two. Um, you know, I mean, unless you count Giant as the last track, quote True. unquote, of Contra, I think your Contra is not a happy song to end on. Yeah. This is very, very mournful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's. Um... This song's heavy to end on. Yeah, yeah it's really, it's really heavy, and it's, it's those, it's. I, I still don't know if I really know what it's about. To be honest, I mean, there's a lot. I know all the things it's generally talking about, but mm-hmm. it's interesting to think about. Was there a specific aim with this, or was this more of let's just talk about heavy stuff? Yeah, it's. It's could have been could have been on modern vampires. I know that's you know? what I was about to say. It fits with modern vampires more because than it does father. Because of the it's 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 there's there's heavy heavy Judaism themes here, mm-hmm. um, as we'll get into and what it means to be a Jewish millennial specifically. Mm-hmm. But that being said, there are lines in it that make it clear that it's not the same state they were at during modern vampires. Uh, I mean, you look at right where it starts. I know I loved you then. I think I love you still. I mean, I think he's talking about, I mean, take it as God, take it as Israel, take it as just Judaism in general. I don't think he thought he loved it still back in Modern Vampires. That's a good point. There's there's more of a relation here. And it's funny to think about this, you know, in, in, in context, the rest of the album, because so much the rest of the album is fairly explicitly about a romantic relationship. But when you look at this song in isolation, it's almost like that's not there as much anymore. You know, like the phrase, like you just said, I know I loved you then, I think I love you still, feels like it should be a part of a, of a romantic relationship, but there's not much more of that in these lyrics. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Honestly, the whole time I didn't even think about romantic stuff um, just weird just, because like literally we just had spring snow i mean and we had you had all those songs that are about a relationship and it's almost like this isn't a concept album but it feels pretty darn close to it and it's like it would be weird to not have a song about that to end the album but it feels like there's just not a whole lot of that relationship stuff here yeah it yeah, it's definitely a departure from the the storyline that starts with Mary in the gold in a gold rush, all the way to spring snow, like you said. But yeah, I guess there is still the secondary theme of they still he still loves her, but um, mm-hmm. it it has ended. But at the same time, the primary meaning is just so so much there, and then one's relationship with judaism and israel specifically that for me it's hard to even read into it and like as in a relationship 
yeah, I, 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 I'm willing to put that behind us, you know, um, even though there's like later on, there's, there's that line about young marriages are melting and dying where they lay that if anything could just be like maybe describing a symptom of a greater issue. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what controversial topic are we talking about today, Kevin? Well, we got all sorts of stuff. Um, there was a, there was a, uh, a interview I sent Nico earlier from a New Zealand magazine, uh, I believe New Zealand, Coupe de Maine, that kind of goes into about, where, where Ezra, I mean, goes at length about this song and fairly explicitly addresses it in relationship to Judaism. Um, and there's got, there are a lot of issues here. And he talked about how the cities of Jerusalem, New York, and Berlin each hold a different, you know, part of, you know, Jewish history. You know, New York is seen as this, this capital, the diaspora, um, Jerusalem, obviously the capital of, you know, the, the old Jewish world for lack of a better term. Um, and then Berlin, um, I mean, that could potentially be the most controversial topic of all the fact that. Um, a lot of Jews were killed by a government based in Berlin. Um, but then he, he, I'm trying to find the exact quote here. There's something about how, yeah, to me, Jerusalem represents many religions. Berlin will always represent culture. And New York represents money as a gigantic financial center. Those three ideas, money, art, and religion are all big concepts that we look for meaning in. So I started to think about it in that way rather than a hyper-specific identity-based interpretation. Because he had, this, he had mentioned earlier about how part of this, when you look at this song as a Jewish person, or really, I mean, any person in the modern world, how we have these struggles with identity. And I guess the question is, how do we relate that back to the lyrics we're seeing here? Because you're right, there's, there's a lot of conflict being alluded to um, by adding the names of those three places here. Yeah, it's, I, I think that quote is big. Um, and it kind of tells us why those cities are what's chosen. Definitely all three have very heavy um, and dense ties to the Jewish people. But um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting how he divides them up into the money, art, and religion aspects. Because on surface level, or not even surface level, but on first glance, you, um, like you said, you think New York's the diaspora, Jerusalem's the homeland, and Berlin, unfortunately, is a reminder of the Holocaust. So, to think these cities that history is much richer and deeper to where they have even more meaning behind that is pretty interesting to me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if we want to dive in to the lyrics, I know I loved you then. I think I love you still, but this prophecy of ours has come back dressed to kill. Three stones on a mountain, three small holes in a field. You've given me the big dream, but you can't make it real. So the first thing that pops out to me um, with that first half is thinking like this prophecy of ours has come back dressed to kill. You know, there's some sense 
when if you're if you're born Jewish, there's a cultural tie to that far more so than a lot of other religions that are seen in the Western world. You know, where even if even if you are agnostic or non-theist in some fashion, you're still culturally Jewish, and that holds mm-hmm. a lot of weight. Um, and it's almost like that's your quote-unquote prophecy: the fact that you have that as a part of you, even if you're not a part of the, you know, more religious or spiritual aspects of what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I read that line as in, in Jewish um, culture, there is, and in Jewish texts, there's the prophecy that there will be a homeland for them to come to. And a lot of people forget that Israel itself it's less so now, but at the time of its founding was extremely controversial amongst the Jewish community in that some people said it's not our place to say when the homeland should be formed. Um, While others said we need this homeland, especially after what we've been going through. And so it's, there is a sentiment that a homeland will come at some point, but it being Israel now is not even agreed upon in the Jewish community, um, but has come back dressed to kill. That reads to me as a criticism on Israel itself and how they've gone to treat Palestine. Yeah, it's, there's, there's, there's a great there's a great sense of national pride among the people that live in Israel. And um, you, you, you speak to folks, you know, I, I, I've just seen some interviews of folks on the street in, in, in Israel who there's very, you know, for lack of a, a better term, colorful comments about um, their Palestinian neighbors. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, that's a conflict that's been going on for thousands of years and doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting point that it's 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 reading this as a criticism. You know, I think it's either you're you're absolutely allowed to be proud to be Jewish and you know like respect your culture and your tradition, your religion, and also realize, hey, from a like geopolitical point of view, what's going on here is not okay. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it is as we're uh, grappling grasping with what that means and how to find that balance. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, you and I as Catholics aren't trying to defend the Crusades, you know. Um, you know, I, you're, you're not, not a not big fan sit, of the Children's Crusade of I'm not, not going to sit here and pretend or something. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think it's it's got to this has got to feel a little different because this is World War II. This wasn't something that was a thousand years ago. This is something that is actively holding ramifications today. Yeah. Definitely. And then three stones on a mountain, three small holes in a field. I think that's talking about the three patriarchs of uh, that are concentrated on in Judaism with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, because like mountains, I mean, mountains are big in the Bible in, in the Old Testament. Totally. Um, um, so I Maybe maybe it's different biblical figures, but I think it is that. Um, 
And it's just stating the fact that, like, even though these great figures in our religion, like, were so great, they're still buried in small holes in a field. Like, we all die. Yeah, there's there's a sense of mortality to these people that are seen as legends. It's a really good point. And you've given me the big dream, but you can't make it real. So this idea of a Jewish homeland is big and hopeful. And in some ways, some people might say idealistic, but it hasn't been made real in the eyes of the narrator because of that conflict that's still occurring. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, there's been this notion placed in our heads. You've given us this big dream. And I think he's directly talking to God at this part. You've given us this big dream, but you can't make it real. Like it hasn't been made real yet. We're still trying to find that right balance for the homeland. Yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, it's not funny, but it's an interesting tidbit. I was just browsing the Wikipedia page for Israel because there's some funny, you know, I just, there's- <laughs> Casually. I, Cat, I mean, because I was there, and I think they have the 31st largest GDP in the world, which is the largest GDP of countries that are actively involved in a conflict. Oh, you know, and that's very wow. interesting to think of. Like, Tel Aviv is an incredibly prosperous place. My mom was there on a layover a couple months ago, um, and it's like gorgeous city, beautiful city, like nightlife, business. I mean, it is a modern city in a place that has not been modern for very long. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But at the same time, you're right, there's violence. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of tension there, despite this like, you know, like City of Oz kind of thing that's being put on. Definitely. A wicked world. Just think what could have been. Jerusalem, New York, Berlin. All I do is lose, but baby, all I wants to win. Jerusalem, New York, Berlin. I really don't know what to make of the all I do is lose, but all I want's to win. So there is a prevailing uh, motif within Judaism in that they are the chosen people, right? Mm -hmm. Yet why are they constantly suffering? They are chosen to speed the suffering people. Why, why in the are eyes they always of many scholars? Yeah, that's what so really like, that's part of the thing that comes with being the chosen people within Jewish the Jewish identity, and that's hard to accept. <laughs> and so it's like all we do is lose like i mean we're just constantly encountering suffering but i just want to win like i don't do i even want to be this chosen person anymore that's a really good point it's like why you because again it's kind of going back to the idea of attention it's reconciling the idea that you want to be the chosen people because of course you would who wouldn't but you're right like you got to put up with all this shit and it doesn't sound i mean historically it doesn't sound very fun the idea that you know like an individual would find themselves in the position, you know, should I defend, you know, the atrocities of a home country and violence, you know, to be a part of something, you know, it's, that's a really good point. There's just tension there. 
Yeah. And then thinking of what could have been, it's just like we have these three cities that are emblematic of the three themes he talked about with um, religion, culture, and money. Mm -hmm. And thinking how all three of these could be prospering areas of Judaism and yet we're at the stage we're at yeah with for varying levels of success yeah so it yeah it's just grasp grappling with the idea of what does it mean to be the chosen people and do we even want to be anymore mm-hmm so yeah it's tense (laughs) i think it makes a lot of sense and it's 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 weird because like like we were talking about the beginning a lot of this could be translated back to the lens of a relationship you know Mm -hmm. and you know to look at it's almost like you're using the weight of the rest of the album as kind of a what if we looked at it this way sort of thing you know because this is the last song you know you're using the you know the nomenclature and kind of the devices that have been used throughout the album to kind of take a look at a different thing and say here's a different kind of internal conflict yeah this might be totally off source but um what the conflict kind of reminds me of is uh the quote in lord of the rings when frodo says i i wish the ring had never come to me i wish none of this had happened and then Mm -hmm. gandalf said so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Amen. So it's kind of kind of like, yeah, like we can wish that we didn't have to deal with these struggles and grapple with our identity, but we can't just throw it away. Yeah. It's- We're still those people it's not like a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of thing, but it's kind of like you got to play the cards you're dealt to some extent, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I forgot how good Lord of the Rings is. I got to read those again. Beautiful books. Insane. Incredible books. I read the Hobbit last year uh, for the first time in a while. That, that might still be my favorite book. Yeah. Um, the Hobbit's the best of the four. The Hobbit's fantastic. I, um, I, I really like two towers, but um yeah the hobbit i haven't read that one in a long time because that was the first one i read by like seven years it's like that it was really, like fifth grade yeah i, I mean it's, chil- it's a children's college. book it was written as a children's book yeah. and you know it's just amazing nico and i were talking about star wars earlier today and you know lucas did such a good job creating a world but like the dialogue was kind of terrible for a lot of it and you think about how tolkien did such a good job both creating a world and creating these characters and creating great tensions between them and showcasing their growth, you know, showcasing those great lines of prose like Gandalf had right there. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's a complete package in terms of like a fantasy novel. Yeah, definitely. Verse two. Verse two. I can take this a hundred years or more. It feels like such a dream an endless conversation since 1917. Now the battery is too hot. It's burning up in its tray. Young marriages are melting and dying where they lay. That second half is really weird. 
<laughs> second half, yeah, it's very metaphorical, very intense. So, Nico, what happened in 1917? That, my friend, is the Balfour Declaration, which was a statement of British support for the establishment in Palestine of a national home for Jewish people. So I, I had absolutely no idea that it was British people that actually, you know, pushed this forward. I mean, obviously, somebody had to organize the state of Israel after World War II, but I had mm-hmm. no idea that, like, it, it went this far back. Yeah. Yeah, so this, yeah, this was in 1917, but um, there were alterations made to it, like you said, after World War II, um, when the, with the founding of the State of Israel in 1948. I have so the little, slightly different. But. I have the little blurb from the letter here, and it's very, I'll read it here. His Majesty's government's view with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object, it being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine or the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country. Hmm. So it's interesting. They're not only saying there don't mess with the people that are already there, but they're also saying this doesn't change the way the diaspora should live their lives, Mm. you know? And there's some sense in which like both of those are shifted, you know, like obviously the Palestine situation is one thing, but you know, the whole like birthright trip thing for Jewish folks is very interesting about how that's kind of very much an encouragement to go back and, you know, see that part of the world. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, it's like, like the song says that Balfour Declaration was the start of what ended up being a very long and continuing conflict. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a conflict that's, uh, the end is, hard to see (laughs) it's and it's it's so fun it's i keep saying it's so funny none of this is funny but it's 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 just interesting um if you read the old testament the jewish people have historically been a migrant vagrant people against their own will you know Mm -hmm. and you know they had jerusalem for periods like tens hundreds of years and you know they just happened to be back there right now you know and it it's it's like you said it's some cruel twist of fate where you know this chosen people ends up continually being the losers well you look at the story of moses um who we'll, we'll tackle in a few episodes when we get to yahe but um his story parallel parallels the Jewish people themselves in that Moses never reached the promised land that he was leading mm-hmm. his flock to. He he died on the edge of it. Um, and like you said, it's this cruel twist of fate. But a lot of people view it as that's that symbolism is a signaling that that's kind of what the Jewish people are meant for. 
to always be looking into their homeland or the promised land and be close, but never quite reach it. So this is something I guess I I think about because, you know, the Jewish people claim to still be waiting for the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Is that a sort of resolution that they feel would come with the Messiah? Yes. So that's why there's such controversy of whether Israel should have been founded in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people thought it shouldn't be founded until the Messiah came. Okay. A lot of people said it should be founded because our people are being persecuted and the Holocaust just happened. Because it was it was really, from what I understand, it was really unclear or just super tense between the disagreeing factions on whether it should be founded until more evidence of the Holocaust came out. And when that mm-hmm. came, the faction that still thought it shouldn't be founded kind of just gave in because they were like, I see your point now. Like mm-hmm. it's it's hard to. Like we need somewhere for them to go. Totally. Um, so, but then you get into the national geopolitics of it all. Of is that land someone else's, and how will it be shared? And <laughs> yeah, uh, the unfortunate reality is that hours and hours of podcasts. If we the, infor- the unfortunate more. reality is like if if we had the media that we had now in the you know, I don't know, 1850s, and you looked at what happened in Western the United States, it's like, it's not a whole lot different than what yeah. happened to the native people of, of, of North America. Yeah. You know, no, nobody's blameless here. And unfortunately, there's a lot of there's a lot of harm everywhere that needs to be undone. And it's weird and hard to see it happening in some places still. Yeah. Battery is too hot. It's burning up in his tray. Young marriages are melting and dying where they lay. I have no idea what the battery thing means. So what do some batteries do when they get too hot? What are you what are you going for here? I really don't know. Lithium batteries when they get too hot, which you'll see some phone recalls uh, happen because of this, because of errors in this. What do they do? Um, they don't melt, do they? They explode. They oh shoot! Okay. Yeah, yeah. They. Explode. I guess they're they having those fire like, or explode. The, I guess there was that like thousand ways to die episode about the guy who like answered his cell phone in a movie theater and it like blew up in his face or something. Really yeah. messed up, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think the battery as a metaphor for the nationalism that's found in Israel and saying that this extreme nationalism, this battery heating up is providing a spark that's causing a flame, that's causing an explosion. It's burning up its traits. It's causing issues in that, in that area. It's causing very real um, tensions and, I mean, in some cases, war crimes. Mm-hmm. So That's, yeah, I'll take that. I think that make, I think that makes sense. You're you're on the you're either on the brink or you're at this you know this this point of explosion. Yeah. Now for young marriages are melting and dying where they lay. I have no idea. Yeah, I think, like I said at the top, I bet I feel like that in more of a grander scheme feels like it could be a symptom of a greater issue. 
you know, where it's like people don't feel confident getting married, you know, or at Gen- least like not sticking together. Genius has a good suggestion in it being the young marriage of Jews and Palestine- Palestinians in the, the oh, Holy Land. Okay. That's a good that's a good thought. Yeah. So that's a really that, good thought. Okay. That agreement has melted away and is I'll gone. take that. I'll take that for now. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'll take it as well. So then we get the fight we get another course, then we get the final verse. Um one thing that's interesting is how Danielle Heim is on this song. Um so I don't know if that really means anything, but yeah, I think they had a Hollywood Bowl performance where she actually took a verse. Um, I didn't watch it when we did this research today, but I think I feel like I remember seeing that um like a year or so ago. But yeah, it is it is interesting. I mean, obviously she's all around the album, but I mean it's notable. Because most of the songs that she's on are about like very explicitly about relationships, right? Yeah. I mean, she's also Jewish, you know, that, I mean, that's part oh, of the true. equation. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. That makes sense then. So our tongues will fall. So still our teeth will all decay. A minute feels much longer with nothing left to say. So let them win the battle. Don't let them restart, but don't let them restart that genocidal feeling that beats in every heart. Do you think that last part actually means like let them feel proud, but don't let them kill people? I mean, do you no, think it's actually I, literal? No, I I think it's saying give that bit of land to Palestine, let them win that battle, but don't let the anti-Semitic sentiments rise to where we're repeating the past. Yeah. Okay, that's a fair point. What but do I you mean, make it could of be the other way? I yeah I I I just don't know because I mean obviously we know what genocide means in this case mm-hmm. um and it's 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 weird to think of like obviously the Jews being a victim of that uh in in Europe during World War II and then all of a sudden you have this situation where the state of Israel is you know taking over these 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 pieces of land that weren't really theirs you know and then you have this very visceral beginning to the core. This this verse, excuse me. Our tongues will fall so still, our teeth will all decay. That second line, teeth will all decay. That almost makes you think like teeth in a metaphorical sense, or a you know, like in the sense like your 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 gusto, your 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 oh, it's like a bite. you know what I mean. Yeah, like your bite. Like you don't have any. You don't have any. Not what word am I looking for here? I'm I'm tired. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> violence, like, but yeah. like you know what I'm, you know what I'm going for, sense. right? Yeah, like you don't have that vigor anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And so as this goes on, you may just you know feel like there's less stake in the game. You feel yeah. like you don't have that energy. I mean, we've seen that as a theme in their other songs as well. With I. Um, think you're a contra mm-hmm. um, and such so it's n- nothing totally new uh-huh yeah but yeah i i could see that um i i really like the line a minute feels much longer nothing left to say that is a great lyric 
don't really know explicitly what it's referring to. Someone suggests that um, there is a minute of silence in Israel on on a Memorial Day within the religion, Yam HaZikaron. Sorry if I butchered that. But I yeah I, I mean I moment, could see that that minute of silence is about I think if I'm reading this right um, about the fallen soldiers and victims of terrorism. Okay, I mean yeah I could totally see that. Like you just feel you, you you're participating in something like that, but you just feel you you feel no emotional attachment to it it's like you you've got no more stake in the game you feel exasperated you're like i don't relate to this or i feel like there's not really anything here for me you know yeah yeah at a certain point you're just kind of over it and i mean that leads into that next part where it's like just let him win the battle like Mm -hmm. this fight's not worth fighting anymore totally totally yeah i Overall, I, I think the song does a great job of showing where Ezra, I assume he's writing in a bi- autobiographical format type here, but where he stands on his relationship with um, Judaism. Yeah, it's just you're, you're, you're over it. And it's like you want to be a part of it, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Um, and we talk about on this life where we think yeah. that very well could be somebody wanting to be a part of religion, but it just sounds like our narrator here is over it. Yeah, I would agree. It's great, probably great song, how a lot of uh, millennials feel with it. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, you can't blame them. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't blame somebody, you know, for, for, for not be wanting to be a part of this because, you know, there's, there's so many moving parts, right. And yeah. there's so many people telling you so many different things. Um, yeah. And this is, it's like not, any, it's not like it's a physics or a chemistry religion, textbook, yeah. you know, it's like the hard and fast answers aren't really there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot harder to get to. Yes. Final thoughts on the song it's it's cool it's 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 obviously sounds very pretty um it's sad um and it leaves things you know ending without stability you know it's almost like a relationship could end that way Mm -hmm. you know this album is ending that way where you're just like i'm done with it i'm 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 emotionally out of this i can't be part of this anymore and yet you removing yourself from the situation does not leave the situation in a stasis you know there's there's moving parts without you but yeah you're getting out of it yeah i i definitely have a greater appreciation for the song than i did before i definitely just assumed it was kind of like uh okay go home guys this is closer <laughs> type yeah like i mean mailing I, it in almost but totally no, it's, there's a lot there and it's it's a really good song um and like 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 we said, it feels like it should be on Modern Vampires, but it really does. It's it's more grown up because I don't want to say Modern Vampires felt angsty in its uh, rejection of Judaism, but it felt a little angsty in its rejection of Judaism. Yeah, this I'll is more say. of like a, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of worn down. Mm-hmm. Favorite lyric: uh, Let them win the battle, but don't let them restart. 
Oof, a minute feels much longer with nothing left to say. That's pretty good. Yeah. And top five. This life, stranger, uh, everlasting arms, flower moon. Put Harmony Hall back up there. I'll go. Um, just trying to decide what modern vampires want to put first <laughs> at this point. Um, I'll put Worship You. Huge. Or sorry, not Worship You. Don't lie. Huge. That's what I meant. <laughs> there, yeah. I always confuse like, you hold, for some hold, reason. Hold up. <laughs> uh, don't lie. Everlasting Arms, Flower Moon. Um, kids don't stand the chance. Um, is that five? No, that's four. Uh, sympathy. There we go. Ah. Dig it. Hat for this week is Franklin's Barbecue from Austin, Texas, because I'm craving some barbecue. I was craving barbecue earlier this week, too. We have a few decent spots in Chicago, but it's not like Kansas City or Texas or Memphis. You know, it's like yeah. the best meal I've ever had in my entire life was at Joe's Kansas, uh, Joe's Kansas City, formerly Oklahoma Joe's. Um, I, think, I think it was the only thing I've ever done in Kansas City. We were driving through, stopped to get at this, like, barbecue place that the, the Kansas City folk recommended. Just insane. Off the hook. Great barbecue. It's really hard to shuffle with three songs. Yeah. But four, we did it. Oh, we have four left, right? Yeah. We have four left, but one is predetermined. We 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 have predetermined the final song, folks. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but I did shuffle it, and the song that me and Kevin talked about predetermining for next week will be the song for next week okay California yeah. English part two part two which so we, I we decided to randomize but fate told us that we were right in the first place God wants us to end with bangers <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> so tune in next week to hear us talk about California English part two take it easy folks um.